You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. When the New York Times reported Saturday that during last year's presidential campaign, Donald Trump Jr. had met with a Russian lawyer, Donald Trump Jr. first said that the meeting was about a Russian adoption program. But he subsequently has said that, in fact, he met with the lawyer because she said she had information that would be damaging to his father's opponent, Hillary Clinton. He's also said that she did not, in fact, have any information that was useful to the campaign, and uh, the meeting ended fairly quickly. We'll be talking about the significance of this meeting in the ongoing investigations into possible Trump campaign collusions with Russia. Our guest today on Bloomberg Law is Bradley Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid, who specializes in national security law. Mark, um, let's start with what we actually know about this meeting that Donald Trump Jr. had with a Russian lawyer. Sure, absolutely. So what we have found out through these two different reports over the weekend from the New York Times is that an acquaintance of Donald Trump Jr., who had known the Trump family through the Moscow uh, Miss America, sorry, Miss Universe pageant from 2013, had recommended that Trump Jr. meet with this particular Russian lawyer. That appears to be, at least as far as Trump Jr. has said, that appears to be all they knew, and that the, the individual allegedly had some damaging information on Hillary Clinton that would be of use to the Trump campaign and to improve their prospects. We also know that uh, Donald Trump Jr. brought Jared Kushner, his brother-in-law and a trusted senior aide to the then-candidate, now-president, as well as Paul Manafort, who was the campaign chairman. They all showed up, and as per Donald Trump Jr.'s official statement, under the pretext that this, would, this meeting would provide some useful information on the use against Hillary Clinton. We then know that it turned out to be a nothing uh, burger in terms of information. No good information came out of it. They, the individual was really there trying to talk about adoption programs and then Magnitsky Act and sanctions, and nothing more came of it. That's what we now know. What is of concerning is that the campaign was willing to have the meeting in the first place. So, Brad, Common Cause has filed a complaint with the Justice Department alleging that Trump's role with the Trump campaign illegally solicited a political contribution from a foreign national in the form of oppositional research information he believed would be damaging to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Is that a good cause of action? I mean, would you look at this and say this is illegal what they did? Well, I, I, I saw the complaint, the comment, uh, consent or whatever the, the organization's name is. Comment called it. Common cause, excuse me, yes. Uh, I saw that. It's an interesting theory. I don't know if they'll hold up under scrutiny. I'm not aware of there ever being 
any uh, precedent for the idea that simply receiving oppo research, even from a foreign uh, government, would qualify as a political contribution under the statute. It would be an interesting legal argument to play out. I don't know where it would go there. But it does speak to quite possibly the need for Congress to address this in subsequent amendments to existing campaign finance laws to clarify that, that if you are receiving this type of opposition research from any foreign government that it would qualify as a contribution and be illegal under existing federal law. Well, Brad, there's a, um, there are these investigations going on. You have the special counsel, uh, Robert Mueller, looking at whether there was collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. You have the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. What is the significance of this meeting? You said it was troubling that they had the meeting at all. What, what is the significance of this meeting for those investigations? Sure. So what we have here is the first indication, despite all the denials we've had over the last you know, 10, 12 months, whatever it's been, that they were even willing to try to meet with individuals connected to Russia in any way, Russian nationals, Russian uh, sorry, Kremlin-affiliated individuals, to get information to harm Hillary Clinton. There's, you know, the, the, the line that was always coming out of the Trump campaign was, we've had no contacts with Russia, we've had no contacts with Russia. And every time one of these stories comes out, they have to revise their explanation. First it was, Flynn never talked about sanctions. Okay, he did, and that's why he's now been fired. Then we had Kushner never had any meetings. Oh, wait, he did because he kept them all off his security clearance paperwork. Here's the meetings he had. They were minor. Trump Jr. said, we've never had contacts with Russian officials to try to get information. Well, now we have information that he at least tried to have a meeting to get it. He didn't get anything out of it, but he was even willing to, quote-unquote, collude here in order to get damaging information from a Russian, a fit Russian national. Which but, again, Brad, we don't really know. I mean, more. we don't really know what he what any of them got. There's no there's no proof of what they got in that meeting. We oh, just yeah, had their and, word and for it. it. Correct. And even even if we assume for the sake of argument that what Trump Jr., that Donald Trump Jr. is saying is true, that they are, nothing came out of the meeting. This is only one particular piece. We don't know everything that Bob Mueller is finding and that the congressional committees are finding. But what we do have now from a public standpoint and what's already in the public uh, realm is an indication that despite all the denials, they were actually willing to meet with individuals from Russia who had ties to the Kremlin who were going to be able to, or at least were claiming, they were going to be able to give them damaging information. So despite all the professions, uh, protestations of innocence, every time we get one of these, we find there was something more to it, despite their claims of no collusion, no collusion. Donald Trump Jr. met with a Russian lawyer because he was told that she had damaging information on Hillary Clinton during last year's presidential campaign. He says it turned out to be nothing, but campaign manager Paul Manafort and Trump's son-in-law Jared Kushner, who is now working for the president in the White House, were at the meeting. And now Common Cause has filed a complaint claiming that Trump Jr. violated federal law by having the meeting in the first place. Additionally, it's expected that investigators such as the special, pro the special investigator uh, Robert Mueller and congressional investigators at the House and Senate Intelligence Committees will be looking at the meeting. We are talking about uh, Donald Trump Jr.'s meeting with this Russian lawyer with uh, Bradley Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid, who specializes in national security law. Brad, Donald Trump Jr. says that this is a normal thing for campaign officials to do to try to get information on the other candidate. Is, is this true? Is this an appropriate thing for him to have done to take this meeting? 
Okay, so yeah, I, I saw that comment, and the simple answer is no. And here's the distinction between what Donald Trump Jr. is trying to reference and what actually occurred. It is, of course, common that campaigns will try to get opposition research on their political opponent. What is not normal and what is very controversial here is that it was coming from foreign nationals, and particularly here a foreign national who had alleged ties to the, to, to the Russian government. So... If this, you know, and there's, there's been a lot of talk about, well, that something happened similar in 2000 when um, a copy of George uh, W. Bush's briefing tapes and memos for the upcoming presidential debates back then was inadvertently sent to uh, an Al Gore staffer. The Gore campaign did properly what the Trump campaign did not do here. The Gore campaign immediately gave the, the documentation to the lawyers, and the lawyers gave it to the FBI. If Donald Trump Jr. got this meeting request through this acquaintance saying we've got damaging information that indicates Hillary Clinton is getting illegal contributions from the Russian government, the proper course of action would have been to notify the FBI and the FEC or to simply decline the meeting entirely and tell Mr. Goldstone, who was setting up the meeting, tell your client to go to the FBI. We don't want to be anywhere near this. The fact that he was willing to even take that meeting speaks to the naivety and the incompetence of how that campaign was run. And we have some breaking news. NBC reporting that the Senate Intelligence Committee has said that they will be meeting with Trump campaign officials this week in the Russia investigation. Of course, uh, Senator Susan Collins of Maine had mentioned just this morning that they wanted to meet with them, and it's going to happen. Brad, I want to talk about the security clearance question for a moment. Jared Kushner had not disclosed any foreign contacts in the confidential form required. Once it was discovered, like A.G. Sessions and Manafort and Flynn, he says it's a mistake and revises it. Should he or would he, under normal circumstances in another administration, lose his access to classified information because of this? Everyone just seems to be forgetting, and it's okay, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's good to be the king's son when it comes to Jared Kushner. What what he, what he did here in terms of submitting a standard form 86, which is a questionnaire that anyone anyone who gets a security clearance has to submit. It's a very lengthy, hundred plus page document, and you submit it under uh, penalty of what's called 18 U.S.C. 1001, which is a federal offense, a felony, excuse me, a felony offense if you have prov- knowingly provided false or material information. To have given that information, to have submitted that form, signed it, and then come back and said, ooh, whoops, sorry, I completely forgot to provide any information about foreign contacts, would get laughed out of the room if it was a rank-and-file person. It would never work like that. They'd never be allowed to just resubmit documentation and no one ask any questions. But when it comes to politically connected individuals and someone as senior level as Mr. Kushner, who obviously has the political ties to the president himself, you find that. The rules are whatever the president wants them to be. Well, some people have called, Brad, for Jared Kushner's security clearance to be revoked even before we knew that he was in this meeting, or at least it appeared that he was in this meeting. Should it be revoked? Uh, it's a discretionary call. I mean, it would be certainly something, I, if, if it were one of my clients, I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if the clearance was put under review and possibly revoked going through the normal uh, investigatory and appeals process. I actually handle lots of those cases, including people who've made 
mistakes far less severe than what Mr. Kushner did. But in this context, all the, all the members of Congress can make all the calls they want for Jared Kushner's clearance to be revoked. Nothing's going to happen as long as the president says he wants Jared Kushner to have access. There is nothing anyone can do to override the president in that context. Brad, uh, if you were in the Senate Intel Committee meeting, what would be the first question that you would ask of the participants in this, uh, the, in this uh, meeting with the Russian lawyer? Why on earth did you ever agree to have that meeting in the first place? I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. That's, ne- that's a meeting you never take when you know that the person who is allegedly allegedly has damaging information is a foreign national. You don't come across, you don't walk up to that gray line. You don't play games with it. You refer them say to the FBI. Say, take it to the FBI. Take it to the FEC. We don't want to be anywhere near this. If it's you know, if it's a U.S. national for corporation who says we've got something, now, nah, okay, then maybe you've got something. You don't play games with campaigns and elections and foreign nationals. You're begging for trouble. Well, our thanks to Bradley Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid, for being with us today to talk about uh, this meeting that Donald Trump Jr. had with Russian nationals and the implications for uh, the investigations into the Trump campaign's possible collusion and whether this was appropriate. Thanks very much. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, we're going to be talking about uh, an interesting settlement by the Canadian government. Uh, interesting being an un- un- understated word. The uh, Canadian government has paid a large sum of money to a Canadian citizen who's held at Guantanamo Bay and said that he, because they say they violated his rights uh, when they questioned him. That's coming up on Bloomberg Law, straight ahead with Michael Best and June Grasso. Grasso, this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.